0: I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there
1: is a choice I leave to you,
0: Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris-Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris-Ann Hall.
2: Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris-Ann Hall Show. Chrisanne Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Well, this is our Saturday edition, our double dose of Constitution and truth and principle, not fake news, not political party agenda, not propaganda. And I have with me my husband and co-host J.C. Hall. Welcome to the show.
3: Glad to be here.
2: <laughs> I like I caught him in the caught middle, in of, the middle of, a, of a yawn. A yawn. <laughs> we are. Uh, we have just had the most amazing week. Can I? I just want to use that superlative today. The most amazing week teaching all week long at the River School of Government. And the Bible, uh, the River Bible Institute here in Tampa, Florida. The students are amazing. Uh, it's like two hundred, isn't it, or it's more like three hundred. I don't, I don't remember how many we have. Not sure. Somewhere between two and three hundred students. We have been teaching all week: Constitution, principles, American history. We've been showing them how they've they've had their their history, their heritage stolen from them. And I'm not talking about African heritage. I'm not talking about Chinese heritage. I'm talking about American heritage right. stolen from us. Yesterday, yesterday I taught them, um, um, no, 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 Thursday, Thursday, I taught them about the forgotten mothers. Wednesday, you taught them about a stolen American Black history, and that was an amazing. That was I. I've had had students come up to me and tell me that was a life changing class.
3: Yeah, I I can imagine.
2: Uh, you can tell tell our people a little bit about that class because oh. I think that it's important. It's a class that we're going to be teaching at Liberty First University. Uh, very, very shortly, it it is a life changing class, and uh, the audience, our our listeners, do need our Saturday listeners because a lot of them are different than the Daily Journal listeners. So th- they shouldn't be. If you are only listening to the Saturday show, you're missing out on a lot. Remember, we have the Daily Journal that runs Monday through Thursday in podcast form, and you can find that at chrisanhall.com. You can find that. At Spotify, you can find that at uh, iTunes and Google Music Play. It's on YouTube, Monday through Thursday, your daily dose of current events in the light of the Constitution and principle and uh, absent of the political party agenda. So you taught them, what? give them the title of the course so they know how to find it at Liberty First University.
3: Yeah, so it's a course I, I hope to compile into a book, so we can put it in people's hands as a tool It's called more than victims america's black heritage and uh i kind of i think the, i took the inspiration from a book written by william cooper nell who was frederick douglas's publisher for the north star he also published for uh, garrison's liberator but he had a book called *The Colored Patriots of the American Revolution*, and this book was previously used as a textbook, a standard textbook in the American education system. So wow. people learned this information. Um, and it, it's that's
2: what they call the progressive agenda. Yeah. So progressively, it, it put more and more lies into education. Progressively, steal the history. Progressively change reality
3: exactly, and so in the presentation, I, I'm basically presenting the black founding fathers and mothers uh, who helped make America great. And the history, basically, there's there is as probably everyone listening knows the propaganda is is essentially black Americans uh, were nothing but. Slaves before the Emancipation Proclamation, you know they don't I, I I think the people behind the agenda they don't want the black community uh, understanding that they played a role in in this nation, uh, but that they were victims, you They're know simply what? victims and you're oppressed. so the thing about it is if you you know once black Americans are severed from their history. Then they can be convinced that the founding of America is not their history, and so they're that makes them susceptible into this manipulation that we see of hating their own country, uh, and you know, seeing themselves as victim only only victims and oppressed.
2: What I, I don't mean to interject here for just a second, but it just came to my mind this the. Um, uh, tour that we had when we took the youth group to Washington DC and yeah. we went to the Capitol building.
3: So that was exactly the, what that tour guide was saying.
2: Yeah the tour guide was saying that the that the White House was built by slaves and the Capitol right. building was well, built by slaves. That's the only the only contribution that black people yeah. have so was th- what they did at the end of a whip.
3: Right. And this is not to deny those facts. Right. It's mm-hmm. not to deny that there was slavery, that there was oppression, that these things happened. It's the point is that history is taught. The but the history, the examples of all these heroes and these prominent black Americans, patriot black Americans, uh, is not taught. It's erased. Okay. So because you know we they come at ask come at us like oh you so you're denying this other history
1: mm-hmm.
3: no I could say the same thing about them you're not teaching this history so you're denying this history that's right, right. but that's I don't right. need to teach the the slave history because that's taught everywhere so I, I'm interjecting a history that's been stolen from Black America because when you give when you only give the one side. And you make it look like nobody before eighteen, no Black American before eighteen sixty three, uh, did anything. You you've stolen heroes from from Black America, right? And and again, it, that spills over into now, right? Because the whole purpose is to build that thought now. Like you were a slave, therefore you are a slave. You're a victim. That. That I'm a victim mentality becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. So, and this is missing from the education uh, of, of of the children in the black community.
2: Let me remind you of something that you said. Um, you you had said to me when we were talking. Uh, something happens when you remove heroes. Yeah, heroes who are who we strive to be. It's not just simply becoming defeated. You know, y- you can't, you will never have a void of heroes. You you remove some, somebody's going to fill that place. So what are we doing? Two,
3: two things happen, and this is why I think it's th- this information is so empowering. I think is key because this underpins uh, the uh, fueling of the progressive, liberal, Democrat party, right? The, we look around, and I think the last I saw Democrats, black Americans vote Democrat 84%, so they're drun- right. e- even against, sometimes against their own principles, the things that they themselves believe in are contrary to uh, what the Democrat party believes in, nevertheless, they vote. Why? Because when you take, when you build this victim mentality, right, it's a self fulfilling prophecy first Mm -hmm. off Uh, secondly when you talk about removing your heroes removing removing this this legacy where you're that makes you a victim then somebody can swoop in and say well i'm your savior i'm gonna help you i'm gonna save you i'm gonna be the one right and that ends Mm -hmm. up being the democrat party right you need us because you're a victim and 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 the system's keeping you down and the white man's keeping you down all this stuff is against you so if you'll just vote for us We'll help you. We'll give you all these things. And then we know the Democrat Party does not do that. The only thing the Democrat Party is concerned with is being kept in power by taking uh, the black vote. And so one of the things that underpins their ability to steal the black vote, I believe, is this information's been stolen from black America. Right, right. So I believe if... If something like this is taught consistently in, let's say, black education, you know, this is passed on to the children and, and the people know this, uh, then, it, then it rips out that foundation for the liberals to, to, uh, to recruit so many in the black community and, and convince them, You know, we need to be your savior because you're a victim. Because if you get this inform, if this information is, is, uh, you know, a a standard part of what Black America knows, then they know we are a part Uh of America. This is our history. I'm not going to hate my own country because it's not this monochromatic history. And number two, I don't need you as a savior. And uh, you know to to be my provider and this and that, because I'm empowered, looking at my history and my legacy of powerful, influential people who who contributed right. to America who built America amen in Hallelujah. spite of <laughs> Woo, slavery in the context <laughs> of this oppression that didn't stop them <laughs> right, and, and it's not going to stop me and so and that's what the students were telling us when we we gave this presentation and got feedback from so many of the students, the black students, you know, that was the mindset they walked away with. Some of those guys that said, man, this is life changing. And we said, well, what do you mean by that? And this is exactly what they told us. Mm-hmm. And it was, well, I know this history, so I know what I can be. I know what my right. community can be, because it's what we've been all along, but we've been convinced that we're nothing but victims. right? And so we now play that role so that we can be manipulated and controlled. And and the guy said, I don't have to let that happen anymore.
2: Well, that is awesome. When we come back after the break, I'm going to tell you about uh, some more of this, and then we'll get into the current events. Welcome back to the Chrisanne Hall Show. You, You have to know what you just heard is absolutely true. You have to recognize, you have to admit that we've been lying to our children for decades. We used to tell the truth, now we lie. And I have to say we, because your money, our money, funds the public education system whose job at this point, based on their curriculum, is to lie. And that's just the truth, and I and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, uh, but when we teach the truth, like the class that I taught at the school at the college here this week about the history of the education system, what happens? What have you seen? I'm going to ask you your personal experience. What is your personal experience that that happens to people in the audience when I teach this class publicly, the history of the oh, American the, education system?
3: Yeah. So, I, well. It's usually pretty disturbing <laughs> to most people they're, they're shocked. Uh, again, just like all, I think that the classes with three of those classes that we taught this week they're mm-hmm. shocked with how much they've been lied to.
2: How do the teachers respond?
3: Well I, you know I've mentioned before that you first taught this thing in, uh, in Gainesville and we had there were several teachers lifelong teachers retired in the audience and one went outside and, and was throwing up. Yeah. Another lady was was weeping uncontrollably. It came to me afterwards and said uh, she said, I can't can't believe I'm so ashamed of what I participated in for so many years and and what we've done to these children. And so they are shocked. You know, it's just like I, you know, I went through the education classes uh, in college coming out of, you know, basically being an instructor for the Navy for so long, and then uh, coming out for the psychology degree, and, and initially had taken uh, many of the the education classes that they that they give to teachers, and you hear all, all these names: John Dewey and Wilhelm Woon and Gene Stanley Hall, and all these guys are heroes as Thorndyke. they teach this. Yeah. And then in your presentation, you you quote, and it's not like we're telling our opinion; it's just right. like anything else, and you're quoting them from their own journals and what they say about children, what they say about the purpose of education and what they're doing and what their goals are. And, and these guys are not heroes. They are some of the most wicked, devilish, evil people to ever exist. This guy, the father of modern American education system, it is, it is disgusting and despicable how they viewed children, how they viewed their students. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the and this is the thing. This is uh, when we talk about knowledge is power and how it can have powerful change and transformation. And, and then when you put it into action, you know, right. um, to, to, to reveal. And again, just how you teach and we teach everything we teach from the words, from the mouth right. of the people, the mouths of the people we're talking about.
2: That's why we say truth, not fake, fact. Not agenda, right?
3: Because and that—that's the thing, you know. It's—it's it's funny. I remember the guy who interviewed you, Washington Post or whoever it was, and you gave the presentation to him, and you, he listened, and and he. <laughs> it was like he got to the end and said, well, I really can't disagree with anything right? you're saying. Right? You know, it was just the fact that I don't like certain things. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was really disagreeing with the founders, not, not with you. I mean, and, and so that's the thing. What you, when, when you take the Constitution and, and the whole notion is it's because we don't follow the Constitution. It's because we don't understand and follow the principles of liberty right. as at the root of all of this dysfunction. Uh, in our government in our economy in our in our uh, in the social realm and all these things we do that's at the heart of it and so that how we present everything we present is not here's what JC thinks about it and here's what Chris Ann thinks about it no right. it's he, here's who built this thing and said this thing listen to their words right and understand the principles from from the people who who uh, who who basically uh, boiled this stuff down and passed it on to us. And
2: when I talked uh, about the forgotten mothers, it became very, very apparent and obvious to everyone that the same thing that we've done to the heritage of black America We've done to the heritage of women in America with the exact same goal, with the exact same purpose, to keep us enslaved, to keep us defeated, and to keep us obedient.
0: Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
2: Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co host JC Hall. Remember, you can find the courses that we've been talking about at LibertyFirstUniversity.com. You can find a good portion of what we're talking about on DVD at LibertyFirstUniversity.com called The Forgotten Founders Course. JC's courses uh is is more complete and goes beyond the revolution uh, with the black heritage uh, it's going to be such a powerful class. The Forgotten Founders class that I teach uh, has has some black Americans has a has a lot of women and even some Hispanic uh, influence from uh, Spain and and uh, it's just... We are a multiculturally uh, comprised uh, union of states, but that doesn't mean that we're not Americans, and I think that's that's right. the problem that we have here. Every yeah, other place on the planet, we were having some a conversation with some people who were who who were Cuban. Mm. And about you had gone to Cuba and you were looking around at the people in Cuba and they're black, red, yellow, and white, and they all believe that they're Cubans.
3: Yeah. Well, l- I want to share something, uh, a reaction from a, a group. There was a group of ladies that we were talking to after your presentation. It, you oh know, please. So this is after these. Yeah, I don't think I heard that. I had given that. mine and you give an the education, then you give them the founding, founding mothers um, because... We kind of we kind of encounter uh, this reaction sometimes where where people dismiss. Uh, hi- well, you're just teaching history. What what is mm-hmm. this? Is just history. What is yeah, the point? Big you deal.
2: Because we've been taught to hate history. Yeah.
3: Well, that's what I was going to say. That was the reaction. But you know, they say, "Oh, it's history," and we you know we need to talk about talk about policies and and you know this these different things and programs that we can do you things that we actually need to do. You know, you have to have, there has to be a drive to sustain, you know, conducting the right policies, implementing the right right policies. Right. It can't just be just sort of this bland, oh, here's a policy. I came up with a great idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's do it. The ladies came up and they said they were, there's always this, they're really moved, you know, all Mm -hmm. the time. And they Mm -hmm. said, they said, man, I can't believe how much. They made history so boring when I went through school, <laughs> when I went through college. She said, it's like they want us to hate history.
2: Amen. And,
3: and she goes, she said, listening to this stuff this week, she said, it's n- this is not just history. This is life-changing, mm-hmm. empowering information. And yeah. that, to me, was the key word. Empowering information this this makes you do something it changes the well, way you think and the, and, and so it leads to that's the purpose action. of history right
2: that is the purpose of history and that's what drives me crazy the purpose of history of history is is to make us better to yeah. be lessons that we learn so that we're empowered. We're no longer enslaved by the same mechanisms of the past. But
3: we've been convinced that it's just dates, you know, and, and names. And so this is not really important stuff. Yeah. And, and I, so people really easily dismiss it. But they don't see what we see every time we're, you know, mm-hmm. after the people get hold of this
2: information. Right, right. Well, you know, there's there's so many ways uh, that we use that we need to be using this information. We need to be learning from this information. We need to be teaching this information so our children can be better people. And then, and then, when we learn it, then we can apply it.
3: Well, think about this: you you come to the realization that the group you've been loyal to mm. and serving. Mm. Has Help been us. lying to you, mm-hmm. has manipulated you for the purpose of maintaining their own power. And boom, you f- you get that information. What do you think you're going to do? You're not going to say, "Oh well, ho hum, that's just history." Let me just go on about my life and continue what I'm doing. Continue to be used, manipulated. No, that's not going to happen. So, I, I I'm it it it, it is um, unfortunate how people mm-hmm. dismiss the importance of this information. No, this is life-changing. And th- this, to me, like I said, you put something like this in the hands, it, it, this is in every b- black household? Yeah. I mean, this gets at the foundation of the system that is using them and manipulating
2: Which them. Which is precisely why it's not in the system. Right. It's precisely why exactly we, we will even be demonized by teaching this at all right they'll be coming at you and saying who are you to teach yeah. black history well, that's, and that's why i yeah? have
3: my family photo album right. as a slide <laughs> when i go to teach this because then they don't know how to handle me
2: right here's right. this
3: white guy from 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 black heritage what's going on so they run out of criticisms and attacks to try to shut me up number one they're not going to shut me up because i don't care what they say it's not about me it's about the information right so you can say what you want to say, and oh, you shouldn't be teaching it. Well, too bad I'm going to teach it. And then once the people get the information, y- you can go check this. You can verify this. I mean, I'm just, look, just give me, just let me give you an example really quick because I, I share this uh, with the students. And I mentioned to them, these ought to be household names. And this is just a right, sampling. Exactly. This so is here's, just a sampling.
2: Here's the Chrisanne Hall uh, show pop quiz. For our listeners, do you know these names?
3: Right. And particularly in the black community, Mm -hmm. uh, these ought to be household names. Every American should know these names, but black Americans even more so. Mm -hmm. And this is just a sampling. Crispus Attucks, Wentworth Cheswell, Seymour Burr, Jeremiah Jonah, James and Hosea Easton, Job Lewis, Jack Grove, Bosun Wright, Eleanor Eldridge, Phyllis Wheatley, Peter Salem, Kalo Steadman, Cuff Whitmore, Cato Wood, Prince Eastbrook, Caesar Ferris, Samuel Craft, Lemuel Haynes, Pomp Blackman, George Bashan, James Lafayette, Pomp Fist, Grant Coop, Charleston East, Titus Comer, Cuff Hayes, Charles Reason, Fanny Jackson Coppin, William Cooper Nell, Thomas Downing, George T. Downing, James McCurr Smith, Frederick Douglass, Caesar Dickinson. And that that's just an example. I just say all that beginning. to give you an just to give you an idea. Of how much, and this is all. Listen, the whole point of the presentation. This is prior to 1863, the more before the Emancipation Proclamation. In here are business leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, wealthy, influential property owners. Um, th- how many people know? 1770, America had a black mayor. Right. How many people know that? That doesn't 1770, fit. Yeah. That does not fit. It does not the fit. Democrat. Narrative. I I promise you, I would I would I mean, I would be willing to say other than academics and historians who actually study this, would would study this individual specifically. I guarantee you there is less than a handful of, of black people in the entire United States. Who has any idea. There was a black mayor in 1770. I, I promise you, you could search for the rest of, of, of this month every day.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You guys out there listen. you ask every black person you run into, Not a, you're not going to find anybody who knows that.
2: Well, I, I, you know, I, it's just stunning. And, and this is why we teach what we teach. This is why we do what we do. This is why we bring this information to you so Look, that you can be educated, so that you can move on. If and, you're a black t- American
3: and you hear Boston Massacre, there should be, I mean, I think every American, number one. But right. black American, if I say the words Boston Massacre, boom, you should think a name right off the bat. Christmas Addicts. Yep. That name should come. But it doesn't. Yeah. If I say Bunker Hill, Right, yeah. There, you know, several of these battles: Bunker Hill, um, uh, Saratoga. There are black patriots that were the keys, the
2: keys to, to winning battle. those battles. Yeah, James
3: Lafayette was a spy against Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold was known as one of the has uh, a military genius. He was actually a hero on the American patriot side until he turned to the British. It said he's the best officer on either side of the war. And he went to the British with all this information and was there with the general. But guess what? He didn't succeed. He failed. Do you know why? Because Because a black patriot was um, was a spy that spied on um, Benedict Arnold and fed that information to the American patriots. Now, so when you hear Benedict Arnold, there should be a companion name to that anytime that name is mentioned. James but Lafayette, it, but it's not. Yeah. So it's astounding how much has been erased, and I'm telling you, this information is incredibly <laughs> empowering if if we if they get hold of. It.
2: And if we're totally honest, then we must admit that there is uh, a lot of information that has been erased, and not just simply cultural, but factual. Most people today have have very little understanding of politics, have very little understanding of. Of the Constitution, a very little understanding of the Bill of Rights, and there's there's a story that I want to share today that sort of uh, that that wraps a lot of these things up into the same uh, into one lesson, and I want to remind everybody that in March of 2016, actually March 1st, 2016. Donald Trump had a rally in Kentucky specifically, and this is a fact that is is very very pertinent to the story. Specifically at the Kentucky International Convention Center. So Donald Trump, uh, during May uh, May of twenty March March of twenty sixteen, would have been primary time, right? Yeah. So we're in the primaries. Donald Trump is having a rally at the Kentucky International Convention Center, which is a private convention center. And in that convention center, uh, there are protesters. Now, we've been to conventions. We've taught at conventions that you have to you got to pay to get into these things, right? Because they're being privately held, and people are are paying to get in, and people have to pay for the food. They have to pay for the venue. They have to pay for this, so they have to recoup that money. So you, it's privately held, uh, privately uh, owned, and it's a primary... A prim- let's get this because these are very, very relevant, controlling facts uh, for us to understand this story. A, a uh, primary-held rally for Donald Trump. Now, at that rally, there were some protesters. And at that rally... These protesters tried to, to effectuate the heckler's veto to shout and shut Donald Trump's speech down and interrupt and disrupt this private function. And when we get back, I'm going to tell you what happened just the other day because of that.
0: Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
2: Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall, and I wanna I wanna um, tell you that remind you with the setup that we have here. We have a primary um, rally held in a private. Uh, venue put on by individuals as a private function that you had to pay to get into now during this particular rally the protesters got uh, loud and while Donald Trump was speaking they were trying to shut him down and Donald Trump on the stage said uh, get those people out take them out remove them well, they were removed, and unfortunately, the people, uh, well, fortunately, wh- however it worked, I'm not even going to classify it, it was a little bit aggressive. Things things got aggressive. So were the protesters refusing to be removed and they had to be forcibly removed, or was somebody a little bit more aggressive than they need to be? That's the question. But that's not for our situation well, right here. Be- well, two,
3: two people were, two people basically uh, attacked the protesters,
2: right, right. So what we have then is, is is a situation where the protesters were attacked. They felt attacked. They were attacked, but then they charged. Uh, they filed uh, a case against Donald Trump. Three three uh, of the protesters filed a lawsuit against not the people who assaulted them, but against Donald Trump for quote inciting. A riot. And just last week, by a vote of three to zero, or with, yeah, just the week before last, by a vote to three to zero, a sixth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said the protest press, protesters did not state a valid claim under Kentucky law against Trump or his campaign and that Trump's speech was protected by the First Amendment because he did not specifically advocate for violence. And this is something that that I've been treat, teaching for a very long time. If you're going to charge someone with a siding, a riot, the, the, the conditions, the elements are very, very strict. Donald Trump would have to look out there and say, beat those people. Yeah. But he didn't. He said, remove those people. Well... And, and how they were mo- removed to the people. He said more than that even. Yeah. Which oh, he was, said, do not hurt them. Yeah.
3: He said, yeah. don't hurt them.
2: Don't hurt anybody. <laughs> so, don't hurt anybody. I forgot. He, that's that, right. That was one
3: of the things the judge said, how, right. how you can construe. He, and it was funny how he said it. If words mean something, Yeah. Uh, then don't hurt them could not reasonably construed into meaning hurt them. Right. So it was like he's saying, what is wrong with you idiots? Don't you speak English?
2: Now, here's the confusion that comes in. Right. So you people like, what do you mean it's protected by the First Amendment? He was running for office. We have a right to as the public to to uh, protest. Okay, here's the distinction you have to know primary elections and i just i can't seem to say this in such a way that it actually sinks in primary elections are not public functions primary elections are and primary campaigns are private co- uh, are the mechanism by which private corporate clubs choose the people who will represent them in the general election. We never used to have primary elections. There used to just be a general election. The general election is the public function.
3: Wouldn't this, from a constitutional perspective, wouldn't this involve a heckler's veto?
2: Yeah, that's what I mentioned in the beginning. They tried to, to effectuate the heckler's veto to shut down the speech. But even if this was, but the point is you don't even get to that because this is not a public function. You had to pay to get in. It's a private venue. It's a a party, private corporate club thing. And he's not, let me repeat, he is not president of the United States yet.
3: But even if it's public, you can't. You can't come in where somebody is giving a speech and then, and then, and then sh- try to shut them down and, and stop them from speaking by your yelling and screaming. Even if it is public, that's, that's a heckler's veto. Right. You right. have your right to protest, but a protest is not silencing someone else's speech.
2: Right. That, that's not right. legitimate protest. Well, and that's a good educational point. Uh, we'll talk about this when we get through the break.
0: The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
2: Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. This is Chris Ann Hall. K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L dot com where we are always liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over personality. This is the second half of the Chris Ann Hall Show, our Saturday edition, where we bring to you current events from a constitutional perspective. We are a teach show, not a talk show. We want to educate. We want to empower. We want to equip. You know, we th- there's this saying um, with my husband and co-host J C Hall. There's this saying: knowledge is power, but knowledge is not power until you activate it. Yeah. It's it's just simply, uh, it doesn't work unless you do something with it. That's why we're here to teach you this. And we're talking about the fact that Donald Trump has, w- has won a dismissal of the lawsuit against him over the 2016 rally in Kentucky where three protesters filed a lawsuit against him claiming inciting to riot. And the, and the circuit court, by a 3-0 vote, uh, said, no, 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 this is not inciting a riot. Number one, Donald Trump did not incite a riot. Number two, Donald Trump, went out, uh, at his words actually said, don't hurt anyone. And number three, uh, this is not a First Amendment issue because this is a private venue. And I want us to really, well, they, I want us to get that. They don't
3: that. have a First Amendment issue.
2: Yeah, right. They don't but have the a First Amendment The fact of the
3: issue. matter is, it seems to me, Donald Trump, Would have a First Amendment issue. He's he's the see. This is what I see happening as I as I listen to you as I have listened to you lay out these constitutional principles over the years. Mm -hmm. Okay, the pattern that that uh, seems to be uh, coming forward to me is I'm watching these people, and the attempt is to misdefine. Protest. That seems to me at the core of it. I saw this in the conversation about the Baltimore riots, right, which you mm-hmm. mentioned several shows ago, uh, and 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 in this. So uh, help help me to understand. what kind of hit this at the close of the last segment. Um, the people are saying, "Well, this this is just protest." So, like you you talked about uh, one of the Fox News commentators saying, "Well, you can't do anything about this." Those pe- they were out breaking. You know, destroying property, setting things on fire. And then in this case, you have, you see here and you see on these college campuses so much, these people mm-hmm. show up with their bullhorns and their whistles and mm-hmm. their air horns and, and and yelling and screaming. And tr- and essentially, by this commotion and this noise and all their activity, shutting down the speech mm-hmm. of the speaker. Right. Okay. And they're calling that protest. So. Mm-hmm. Are these things under the Constitution, is that protest? If you're destroying property, setting things on fire, and, and using your actions to shut down the speech of a speaker, is that properly defined as protest?
2: No, that is not properly defined as protest. Uh, if, you're, if, you're, if you're being destructive, if you're hurting someone, if you're destroying private property, if you're destroying public property, that is a crime. That is not First Amendment. That is not free speech. And uh, and then if
3: you're doing these things to stop the people from from being able to speak,
2: then it's then it's not. You have once you is have that also
3: would that also be a crime? As far as that no. that's a, what I'm saying is is that a uh, not not a crime? I meant what I mean to say is that grounds for the person to have a uh, have a oh. Let, let, and by the way, I, I guess I should add to this, where the police do nothing about it, right? Mm-hmm. And they allow these people to sc- do all the screaming and yelling and shutting down the speech of another. Does that person who's speaking then have a claim under the First Amendment when, when these officers and the people say, let those other people shut them down and do nothing about it and say that's okay? Do they then have a claim?
2: No, there is no claim. Specifically... No, no,
3: I mean the person speaking because heckler's veto, right? Doesn't the law enforcement have a duty to protect that that speaker's right to speak? Yes. I mean, isn't that definition of heckler's veto?
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and that is settled law that, that, the, uh, that the local police, the local law enforcement have a duty to uh, ensure that someone's right to freedom of speech is not being infringed upon not just simply by by the government but that's only in a public forum right. okay so only in the public forum in a so private then that, that's
3: why i say that's why that's why the stuff they're doing is not protest
2: right it's not protest but it's not protest here because this is not even a public forum. And that's the point that I want to make sure that we're getting today, because I'm seeing that this is, the, this is one, of the, one of the biggest disconnects in understanding uh, freedom of speech and First Amendment. Uh, this is a completely private affair. It is a completely private function. So
3: let me understand. So you
2: have no right to protest in a completely private affair.
3: And then on the other side, um, the speaker and their staff or whoever have a right to call security on you and throw you out.
2: Absolutely, because the moment you refuse to to abide by the the rules of decorum at this point and you allow and and you interrupt the paid speaker and you interrupt the the ability of the people who have paid to hear this speaker and you refuse to to hold to to, to hold your tongue and you are told to leave and you refuse to leave at that moment you are trespassing
3: i was going to say so in that case you have disorderly conduct Trespassing, and disturbing it's not the peace, dis- No, it's it's not disorderly
2: peace. conduct. It's and 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 it wouldn't be disturbing the peace because again, it's not a public forum. Uh-huh. In order for disorderly conduct, in order for pu- uh, for uh, uh, disturbing the peace, you've you've got to be in a public venue. But it is I trespassing. Uh-huh. So you have been told to leave by the people who effectively own this space. Yeah. Because you've paid for it, you've rented it. This is your money. You have been told to leave by the people who effectively own this space for this period of time. Your refusal to leave becomes trespass. Okay. So that can be a crime.
3: Now, would the same be true in like the conv- like GOP conventions and these sort of things? So,
2: absolutely. Because remember. Because
3: those are pr- essentially private pay. You have to pay absolutely. to get in there. So absolutely. Well, the GOP is a private,
2: is a private club. Right. And that's the other thing that I w- I, I just se- can't seem to, to to maybe say in a way and teach in a way that really sinks in. Let me ask the you: the political th- parties are private corporate yeah. clubs. They are not government. They are not public. They and they ought not be funded publicly.
3: Right. So what about these? Um, what about these colleges? So the pu- let's say you have a public college, mm-hmm. but you have
2: a private college
3: for instance no i want to i want to deal with public college so to make this distinction to try to understand this distinction right so you have let's say let's say we're at the university of florida and the student government association invites some speaker and they got a speaker in uh you know a, a speaking and then these you have this group of uh, antifa students or some of these crazies mm-hmm. and start their what they call protest in the middle of this thing mm-hmm. and disrupting and uh, disrupting mm-hmm. the speech and all that what what do we what would we have there what?
2: well then you have the heckler's veto okay okay so then at that point in time the security has an obligation to uh, to protect the staged speaker's speech uh-huh. from disruption, interruption, because the heckler's veto is somebody who well, everybody understands the word veto. It's no, right? And a heckler is somebody who is trying to drown out the other message. So, the it is it is it is even settled Supreme Court law. It should be settled uh, free speech principle that the uh, community and those in the community have an obligation to secure the rights of the person who is speaking. So there's nothing to stop those antifa people from protesting outside the venue. Mm-hmm. They can hold their signs they can rally, they can shout they can be right at the door if they want to Let me but they can't be they can't stop it's what Benjamin I have a Franklin wrote that too yeah so it's what Benjamin Franklin wrote. In 1772, that freedom of speech should have no bounds, only that you cannot harm or hurt another. And this harm is, is in a sense, taking away from that speech. So at that, in your situation, it would be the duty of the security to remove those people. And if they refuse to remove, at that point, once again, trespass comes in. Then you have, because it's a public place, you have disorderly conduct and uh, you know maybe some other things.
3: So what if these... People, they're, they're outside. What if, as a group of protesters, because I've seen this, you know that you're close enough. Like, like You're not in the venue. You're not inside the mm-hmm. auditorium. But you're close enough that you know you get so many people and you get so loud that you'll be able to essentially stop the speech because you can drown it out.
2: Well, that's still what? another form of the heckler's veto, and it would still be the obligation of the security or uh, local police to to tell them you have to move further away. Or a lot of times uh, it is it has been held by the courts to be a reasonable restraint on speech to limit the decibel level. So you, a lot of... Places will say you can't have a loudspeaker, you can't speak with a bullhorn, that sort of thing,
3: because of the heckler's veto, Be- because of right. you,
2: and because of disturbing the peace. Yeah. And the, if you're usually uh, w- public streets essentially- and public forums are the, uh, public streets and public sidewalks are where where free speech is supposed to take place, right. But public streets and public sidewalks are also where people live. It's also where people conduct their businesses and that sort of thing. So it's called a reasonable restraint.
3: Because you're violating someone else's rights. Because
2: you're violating someone else's rights. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does sense. that help?
3: I Yeah. Yeah.
2: I hope that helps everybody else out well, there, too. Because so, we have a lot of confusion on this.
3: Yeah, because you hear a lot of this. You hear people, these... I, now I don't know what to call them because they're not protesters. You you hear these dis- disruptors, these provocateurs. Well, they're
2: hecklers saying heckler yeah, veto. Oh,
3: let's call them hecklers. So you hear these hecklers saying, "Oh, it's my right to protest. I have a right to protest." And so they uh, they come back and argue with this notion of protest. So that's why I I said I see. It seems to me that I see uh, the. Attempt to redefine or at least the misuse of the term protest mm-hmm. and I think w- on the one hand it's because of ignorance and then on a, on another hand I think it's intentionally it's trying bullying. to change, change yeah. yeah to bully people into into a different definition
2: where else in on the war in the world can you get a a Talk show that teaches you about the First Amendment. the
0: The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
2: Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show, and I'll answer that question we left at the break. Nowhere. Nowhere but the Chris Ann Hall Show. This is why we are who we are. This is why we do what we do. You cannot find this anywhere else.
3: It's good because I think we're really loose in our speech. We're loose in our expression about these things. I'm Mm -hmm. going to make sure I start saying start referring to these people as hecklers they're not protesters
2: they're not protesters and and that's in and that's what what would have been trying to teach for for over eight years now we've got to understand that how we speak makes a difference
3: and it, it well it's interesting because you'll see you'll see it in the articles you know that that's reporting the articles that are reporting on this will say a group of protesters did this and that when and then when you look at their actions they don't meet the definition of protest yet the a, their actions become associated with that label right and so it blurs the lines and and messes up the understanding uh from a constitutional perspective what right protest really is
2: well that's this reuters article that i that i found about the The dismissal of the inciting riot lawsuit, Reuters says, quote, U.S. President Donald Trump on Tuesday won dismissal of a lawsuit in which three protesters accused him of inciting a riot. We had a private venue. Yeah, we had a (laughs) private venue with a private group and a privately paid speaker. Yeah, and so that is not a protester.
3: Correct. That's that is a heckler, a
2: interloper.
3: Three hecklers.
2: Yeah, three hecklers. He won a
3: case against three hecklers, not three protesters.
2: But you're right. I never really, th- I never really thought about it to that depth. When you, when you call them protesters, then it makes people associate free speech with what they're doing. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm fighting this uphill battle because we don't speak correctly. No, these are not protesters. These are. Hecklers. Well, and,
3: and I think some of it's through ignorance, and some of it's through intent. There's a manipulation of yeah, language absolutely. that's purposeful, uh, and then there's a misuse of language mm-hmm. uh, that's based on ignorance.
2: Well, I want to. Uh, this is this is an interesting case that I want to talk about today. Uh, next, and, and it it melds free speech with the right to keep and bear arms, and. It it, it it also sort of proves amusingly in my mind that California's been in its progressive slot for a very long time. So, uh, September 11th, a federal judge in Sacramento, according to the Sacramento Bee, a federal judge in Sacramento has overturned a 95-year-old state law that banned firearms dealers from using images of handguns on their storefronts as an advertising to sell their weapons.
3: I I believe this headline should read, Better Late Than Never. Right?
2: (laughs) Okay, so can you imagine what would happen if California passed a law that said that Burger King could not have put a picture of a burger on their window in order to sell burgers? I mean, I I just... I I don't understand this. The law blocked dealers from using images, uh, but allowed them to use signs featuring shotguns or rifles, which to me not only is just stupid, but it's confusing. How do you know what's allowed and what's not allowed? You can use a sign, but you can't use an image. You can use shotguns or rifles, but you can't use these guns. You know, okay, Burger King, you can you can have a picture of a bun, but you can't put the burger in it, and 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 you can have a slice of cheese, but no bacon. You know, I'm just thinking, how is this not crazy? And
3: California, the, man.
2: And the judge who wrote a 15-page, fa- f- uh, I-, I love this. Called it an order, right? They didn't call it a ruling. Praise God. Do you think maybe we're we're starting to change the way people speak. Yeah. The Sacra- Sacramento Bee says the judge wrote a 15-page order, and I'm just I'm excited because he didn't say it was a ruling that California quote may not accomplish its goals by violating the First Amendment. And and really, what we're talking about here is. What California is trying to do is infringe upon the right to keep and bear arms. That's what they're doing. But in, a, in, in First Amendment law, because I pract- that was an area that I practiced for several years. In First Amendment law, when the government makes a law that infringes on speech, it has to be done in such a way that it is not content-specific. It has to be what we call content-neutral. And when we come back after the break, uh, I'll, I'll explain to you in better detail of what that really, really means.
0: The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist.
2: Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall, where we are fact, not fiction, truth, not propaganda. We are constitution about current events, and I want to explain to you how uh, how, how this First Amendment slash Second Amendment works. Uh, this this court says it's not a Second Amendment issue; it's a First Amendment issue, and this is, a, and this is where I'll disagree with the court. Okay, I will disagree with the court because look, uh, the controlling issue, yes, may be First Amendment. The controlling issue may be a freedom of speech issue, a a a place where the government is making a law that is not, and I use this phrase before the break, content neutral. But in fact, it is a right to keep and bear arms issue because the purpose of the law, and I don't think anybody can deny this, the purpose of the law is to limit the people's right, uh, the, the people's ability to keep and bear arms. And so what we have now is a, a, the court saying this is not a content-neutral law. And what that means is if the government is going to create an ordinance that in any way, shape, or form infringes on someone's speech, they must do it in such a way that it doesn't target one ideology, one opinion, Uh, one perspective over another. For example, uh, you cannot create a law that says you can have a billboard as long as that billboard doesn't talk about Jesus, right? So if you have a billboard, our, our, our county ordinance regulation on billboard says you can have a billboard that's That's four feet by six feet and it can be 75 feet above the ground and we have all these things and it cannot have, deliver a religious message. That law would be a violation because it is not content neutral. You can say, you can have a, a billboard that's, four feet by six feet, it can be 75 feet up off the ground, it has to be constructed in such a way that it's safe and it doesn't fall over, that it's not sitting in the middle of the street and that sort of thing. Those regulations on how the speech is delivered would be classified as content neutral. But the fact that the city would say there will be no religious message now violates the content neutral and now it's absolutely un. Uh, unconstitutional, and I say that not only from a national perspective, from a state constitution perspective as well, because state constitutions are, are practically nearly entirely uniform when it comes to these uh, natural rights issues. So what we have now is, the Sa- is Sacramento, California, overturning this law, that has been in place for 95 years. So for 95 years, I wonder, and it doesn't say, I, don't, I wonder if it's never been challenged before. Why would this law stand for 95 years? Or is this yet another indication of what happens when the, uh, when the Supreme Court begins to change its perspective? Now, yeah, after 95 right. years, we have a Supreme Court that they know will not uphold something like this, so the, so the lower courts fall, fall in into lockstep, lock yeah. right? Because, remember, I've said this before, there is nothing more humiliating, and I don't care what they say, I've, I've worked with judges, there's nothing more humiliating than being overturned especially overturned by the Supreme Court. If you are a judge, a federal judge, or a U.S. district judge, or a state judge, or whoever, and you are overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States, that's like a peer review saying you're dumb. You're so dumb we had to correct you because these are supposed to be basic principles.
3: Yeah, well, I think in the the Ninth Circuit, when you have a majority of these lefty loons that... If there's a majority there and they band together and they take it as a mark of mark of pride, mm-hmm. they're so messed up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think on the individual level, as a general rule, you're exactly right. Because people will say, "Well, why do we see the Ninth Court or Ninth Circuit, a court of appeals, all, always overturn whatever?" It Doesn't seem to stop them. And I, I right. think that's the explanation. You you because you have a group of those loons together mm-hmm. that take it as as a mark of pride, you know, to be to be contrary to the Constitution.
2: You know, I gave a lesson. Yesterday or, or Thursday in, at the River School of Government, about how Supreme Court justices are appointed. And a lot of people have a lot of misconception. I would say, majority of Americans have a misconception on how, how uh, district court judges are appointed. Uh, you know, you say the Ninth Circuit, and they think, well, the Ninth Circuit is what it is because that part of the country is so liberal. And uh, that, that court is who it is because Obama put most of those people on the bench. But in th- those two statements are built on false premise to begin with. Number one, the, the circuit courts don't have to be compiled of judges that come from that geographic area. There is no requirement... In the Constitution, that the circuit judges come from the area in which they practice. Number two, Obama appointed no one. I'll just say that because I can say that without equivocation, hesitation, or mental reservation. Obama appointed no one. The Constitution of the United States, under Article 2, demands that the president nominate, but it is the Senate who appoints. You don't like who's sitting in the Ninth Circuit? You don't point that finger. That's not the President's fault. That's your Senator's fault. We need to start putting the responsibility where the responsibility is due. And speaking about responsibility of the courts, I want to play a short video for you. Uh, It's a video for us, obviously, but it is a... um, it is an audio for you. And I want, I want to point this out to my husband, JC, because he's going to be able to actually see this. And then I'm, I'm this is Ruth Bader Ginsburg giving an interview at George Washington University uh, very recently. And I want you guys, those of you who are listening, I want you to listen to how she responds not just simply her words, but listen at how she speaks, the cadence of her speech, and, and, and how she delivers this, and then JC and I are gonna fill in the blanks and tell you uh, what's going on visually. I tweet, those of you who follow me on Twitter, I tweeted this video out this morning. This is a must-see video, absolutely must-see video. And uh, if you're not following me on Twitter, you can find me at Chris Ann Hall. K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L. At Chris Ann Hall on Twitter. You have to watch this as well as listen. Let me see if I can get this.
0: That you went through with what's going on today in that process.
1: The way it was, was right the way it is, is wrong. (laughs) The the atmosphere in 93 uh, was truly bipartisan. The vote on my confirmation was 96 to three. Even though I had spent about 10 years of my life litigating cases under the auspices of the ACLU board, ACLU and I was on the ACLU board and one of their general counsel. My White House handlers asked me questions about my ACLU affiliation. They were very nervous about it. And I said, forget forget it, just forget it. There's nothing you can do that will lead me to badmouth the ACLU. Mm -hmm.
2: Now, I want to be as respectful as possible.
3: I'll say it, she ain't gonna last long. No. My goodness, she's like death warmed over. Okay,
2: so here's my point. (laughs) This woman has no business being a Supreme Court justice sitting on the bench. No business uh, at all. Well, Uh, I I was listening. This is a Supreme Court. This is not a retirement home. This is the highest court of the federal government. And I'm trying to be respectful here. I don't
3: think her mind seems significantly diminished, but...
2: are you kidding me she could she was not even you couldn't even tell if she was awake did you see how long it took her to answer
3: that was I did kind of notice when he asked and 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 if you looking at the video honestly and again like you said want to be respectful but he asked the question and then she she's not moving her head's hanging I thought oh man did Did she just die? Did she die here? (laughs) Because I didn't know what you were showing us. I thought, oh my goodness, did she die? She, yeah, she The whole time she's
2: speaking, she can barely move. She's sitting in the chair. Her head is, her chin is most literally leaning against her chest. She can barely lift her head off her chest. Wow. Thank her for her service and help her go home. Man this is the highest court of the federal government. There ought to be a standard here. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not one that's going to push for term limits for a Supreme Court justice. I'm going to push for impeachment when it's appropriate, but for Goodness sakes here, people. Let's be reasonable.
3: I can see the headline. Chrisanne calls for death panels for the Supreme Court.
2: Oh, right. No way. (laughs) I I don't have to call for a death panel. The woman is practically the death panel already.
3: She is not going to be there much longer. You know, having pastored and been around death, you know you you can kind of look and see there's a point where the vitality starts to leave a person and they're not far from leaving this world and that's what it struck me looking at her and listening to her man
0: Hall show she's Liberty's lobbyist
2: welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall show our last segment of this wonderful Saturday show Constitution and principle and party. And I'm going to tell you what, I, I, this, I'm this i telling you, you've got to go find me on Twitter. If you're not finding me on Twitter, you have to go and, and, and find this video. Uh, I'd, I I looked for it at other places uh, this morning when when I was doing the research for the show, and I couldn't find it. I didn't have a lot of time, so maybe you will. But M- it, maybe it is on Twitter.
3: Maybe they w- don't want to seen like they don't want this widely published maybe seen like this
2: because this is is i'm sorry jc when i saw this this was disturbing to me is this disturbing to you i mean this is disturbing to me from a humanity perspective because my heart breaks for her it really does W- w- you well, know, I mean, in you- spite of her ideologies, the woman did amazing things, right? We don't agree, ideologically speaking. I don't agree with her premise of, of activism as a Supreme Court justice. We will never agree on some things, uh, on on many, many things, but my heart breaks for her because of this condition that she's in, and for whatever reason, whether it be pride, whether it be politics, they will not let this woman rest.
3: I don't know. I mean, you you want to be doing what you love, you know, till the day you die. I mean, that's a lot of people's perspective, so... There she is. I Didn't you say she set a date for when she would retire?
2: <laughs> 5 years from now. Yeah,
3: that's say? not happening.
2: 5 years There's from no now.
3: Way. There's no way. There's no way. 5
2: years? The woman no, has this lady It's like you said, th- she has no vitality in her. I She can't even I I'm surprised she's not on life support.
3: I hate to talk about somebody like this, but I'm just I'd be shocked if she made it through Donald Trump's term. I mean, maybe people are going to get mad at us for talking like this, but it it's disturbing in that sense. Like, wow. like I said,
2: if this was your grandma, you'd be like, "Oh my goodness, leave her alone!" Yeah, wow. I, it's terrible.
3: She looks bad, man.
2: She does. She looks really bad. Bless her heart, I, and I don't mean that in a sort of, you know, condescending way. I mean that most seriously. Bless her heart, because it's just, and this is this is my point. Hey, and I'm props doing to this. Her, as, man, she's yeah. giving
3: her last. I mean, she's yeah. given it all to the very end.
2: But this is this is a problem. This is why I say thank God there are nine justices on the Supreme Court. Yeah, It's not a, just a single justice. Thank God it's not just three. I'm going to say there's nine because I'm telling you, I'm looking at this woman, and she is not actively contributing to what's going on there at the Supreme I, Court.
3: It makes me think she's probably, which they probably dictate to people anyway. Yeah. But she would have a hard time even doing that at yeah. this point. It seems she to me. She can't even. I mean, it would take... A good while.
2: Uh, Yeah, and 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 she she appears to be like you said when she (laughs) when the wheels start turning. Yeah, she's sharp. But you have to wonder at this point. I mean, just looking at her, what is missing? This is just a two-minute clip.
3: I I don't know. Yeah, and it's hard to say, but definitely, any objective person would be like, "Wow, that's."
2: I've said for a long time. Yeah, I've said for a long time that she's not. there's no way she's typing and writing. No. She has an aide that is doing this for her. Definitely. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if she has an aide that someone has deemed trustworthy that is actually writing the text of the opinions at this point. I, Somebody who has been a student of her cases for a very long time.
3: She's got to have help doing everything, it seems yeah. to me, when you, you see her there. I, I, you, you can't I even would hold like your to, head up?
2: I would like to see how, how she got in the chair. Yeah, You know, I'd like to see the video of, of how she walked there because seeing her sitting there, you, you don't even think she's ambulatory at this point.
3: No, it's, it's astounding. I, it's, it's, it's strange, actually.
2: And the other thing that I just wanted to comment in is this Ruth Bader Ginsburg worship that we have going on that's just astounding to me. The woman says, The way it was, <laughs> was right. The way, the way, it, way it is, is, is wrong. Yay! Yay! Like
3: some Yoda. Yeah, I know, like
2: right? That's what she's like a Yoda. <laughs> she's like a Yoda. Now <laughs> that what might be that? a little bit disrespectful. The way it was yeah, but what is was that, wrong. What does that mean? The way it is is wrong. <laughs> that sounds like a fortune cookie. I know, right? <laughs> so uh, that was just simply the other point that I want to make. You know I'm highly irritated at this RBG work uh work up stuff.
3: I want that t shirt.
2: You what want the t shirt right the way it was was right. The way Weird it is is wrong. <laughs> is wrong. The Notorious RBG. <laughs> well, God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us again for another fantastic Saturday. Don't forget to listen in during the week, Monday through Thursday, for the Daily Journal. God bless. We'll see you on Monday. I Let me know.
1: America